I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yes, as everybody can see, that is the awesome Marie Fassad. Yeah. Yeah, he, he he is the size of an actual podcaster. I am the size of Christian Derisaw, but fat. Welcome to the Real Forno Show. We are going to be speaking, as you saw earlier, with Arif Hassan of Pro Football Network. We're going to talk about the consensus board, kind of how to contextualize it within the scope of the actual NFL draft, how to utilize that information better, potential talk about the S2 test, and of course, the Minnesota Vikings. Welcome to the Real Forno Show. Welcome to the Real Forno Show. Managing editor of the USA Today's Vikings Wire. Betting and college football analysis for the Fantasy Points website. Publisher of Substack Run and Shooter. Host of The Good, The Bad, and The Hungry on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. As well as a founding member of Vikings First and Skull. Welcome to the Real Forno Show. As always, I'm your host, Tyler Fornis. With me, bottom right corner, producer Dave. And to my left, the legend from Grand Forks, North Dakota. He is Arif Hassan from Pro Football Network and Norse Code. Arif, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you, man? Life is good. Uh, we are seven days away from the NFL draft, and we are. it has been an incredibly busy time. And one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you today, as I'm sure you're getting a lot of requests, is about your consensus board and it's something you've been doing I know for a long time and it's a really good le- outlook of how the media both it like um, forecasters and uh, actual like analysts are looking at this class and one thing I was really interested in Arif is um, and I don't know how much you've kind of delved into past years but how accurate the consensus board is as far as projecting top end talent like are, are they finding the george kittles are they finding the stefan Diggs, and how they are how they rank in comparison to where they sat on your consensus board yeah i mean when you take a look at players drafted like in the fourth fifth sixth round that end up succeeding um you know they, they aren't ever ranked you know at the top 10 on the consensus board it's always a surprise mm-hmm. right but they tend to be more often than not, and I want to use kind of generalities here, they tend to be more often than not ranked a little bit higher than when they were drafted, sometimes substantially higher. Like Stephon Diggs is a good example of somebody who's ranked um, fairly high relative to where he ended up getting drafted. So um, yeah, no, that 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 is a, a pretty good application of it. Uh, just in terms of like predicting player outcomes, it is about on par with the NFL when the consensus board and the NFL draft disagree with each other. The consensus board um, is very slightly, like 55-45, is very slightly correct more often. It's it's a small difference, but it is one I'm a little bit proud of, right? Even though it's none of my input goes, I'm just gathering all these boards. But it's mm-hmm. one that I'm, I'm happy to because it validates kind of the whole approach, right? That you've got 
all of these people looking at all the same players coming up with a bunch of different opinions and then finding a way to bring all of those together to get us a good understanding of what the landscape looks like. As I'm sure you know, you were mentioned on PFF's podcast this week for your consensus board and how accurate it actually is versus everybody else's board. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, it does come up. Yeah, I think um, Timo Risk did a study and found that the consensus board, um, no matter at what point in the draft, is uh, I, I, the term he used is like 80% accurate. And what he means to say is that um, 80% of the picks that that are made in the draft are are made in the area where they are on the consensus board, which year over year is more accurate than any individual board. And there are some really accurate ones. Like I used to be at the athletic Dan Brugler is one of the gold standards, right? Um, you know, the, the one that we developed together at a pro football network, you know, with Tony Pauline, Ian Cummings and Ollie Hodgkinson, you know, um, they do a really great job historically. Um, it's actually kind of one of the things I look for when someone contacts me like, Hey, Rick, do you want to work for us? And it's like, what's the quality of your work? Right. Uh, I've got a little bit of a record of it. Right. Um, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's some people that, that do a consistently like pretty good job. And sometimes it's, you know, these people that you've never heard of that actually do a pretty good job year over year. So like, uh, one blog that, that is really proud of their, of their, you know, performance over the years of the consensus big board is NFL rough draft run by a guy named Ray Lucerne. I'm sure, 95% of the people listening to this have never heard of it, but he's done a really great job of predicting the draft and therefore, you know, because the draft is relatively efficient, predicting outcomes too. Um, but if you compare it, you know, if you take a five-year chunk of time, the consensus big board beats everybody um, because the wisdom of the crowds is really difficult to, to beat because if, if, if you take 10 people and you say, hey, is this player good? And nine of them agree, it's probably not the case that the one who disagreed is correct right Mm -hmm. uh and so that's kind of where the power of it comes from it takes a bunch of people and obviously i have to do you know the filtering of it myself but it it takes a bunch of people that i consider personally qualified right and that's where kind of my role is um to to do this and i'm i'm pretty loose right in terms of qualifications there's about um i think right now the current version on the website is about 40 five boards or something like that the next update is going to bring it up to at least 87 maybe 90 boards and that's going to be the final version the next one that goes up uh and so it's it's a broad range of of people that kind of contribute to this board in in a bunch of different ways and i use a lot of like math that i've kind of bootstrapped over the years to try and make the process um a little bit more accurate a little bit more kind of true to life and a little bit more um, rigorous in terms of the ways uh, that it does things. And so I find ways to reduce outliers. I find ways to make sure that, hey, if you rank a guy number one and someone else ranks that guy number four, that difference of opinion is much bigger than if you rank a guy 91 and someone else ranks that guy 94. You basically agree at the 91, 94 level. At the one and the four mm-hmm. level, you don't, right? And so finding ways to accommodate you know, that change and stuff like that, which is the only thing that I really have um, an issue with when it comes to because a lot of people are doing consensus boards right now. And, you know, it, it doesn't really bother me because I think it's a really great exercise and it gives us a good understanding, but they tend to average the ranks out. And I, I don't really love that approach, but it gives us a good proxy picture. Plus, for me, you have to wait until like the week of the draft to get the final board. And so uh, I understand why why you would build all these other boards that, that, that get a consensus. But I do as much as I can, get proprietary boards, source boards from people who used to work in NFL departments, you know, that kind of stuff. And so I try to make sure I get as wide a range of, of data as possible mm-hmm. and, and apply it in, in the best way possible. So, Arif, you mentioned that some of the other boards end up averaging. 
What, like, as far as the context of that, what do you mean? Well, so like they'll take the rank, and so like, uh, so if a player is ranked one, two, three, and four, you average that out, and their rank is two point five, right? Um, mm. I I find an approach that applies a value level to all of those. So a one is okay. a certain value, a two is a certain level of value, three is a certain value, and then I, I combine those values to produce a score for that player. I have a method for dealing with, you know, when players are left off of certain boards. It's more meaningful if a player is left off of a 500-person board than if a player is left off of a 100-person board, right? And so I need to have a, a dynamic approach that resolves, you know, those two different contexts. Whereas a lot of boards that like average ranks, they simply exclude um, that rank from its average. And so you, I think it's meaningful data if a player is not included on the board. And that data is not included if you average the ranks. You know, that's, that's just one of many problems that you kind of have to solve. When you do this, and it's something I've been doing for years, and it's a problem that I've tried to approach pretty carefully. Um, and so, you know, there's there's a lot of ways to to handle these problems, and I don't think there's an issue with like you know I think um, a, a really great website that uh, you know it's a competitor, so I don't always want to mention it, but um, it's uh, it's it, it, it does consensus mock drafts too. It's like NFL mock draft database. That's it. They've got their own mock draft simulator. I highly recommend using Pro Football Network's Mock Draft Simulator instead because, you know, it makes me a little bit more money. But, um, and also we've got like all kinds of tools that I think are, are really excellent. But, um, you know, they've got a consensus big board and a lot of it averages ranks, right? Um, I know that uh, RNFL and RNFL Draft on Reddit have a consensus big board. They average ranks. The one currently at The Athletic where I left, you know, they they currently have a consensus big board that they've been updating throughout the year. And they average ranks. And I think that that's, uh, you know, a really useful approach. But I think that as you kind of establish yourself as the as, as somebody who does this for a living, you have to see if you can find ways to refine those results. And that's kind of what I hope to do. I like I, I, I didn't graduate college. I don't know. I don't know anything. But <laughs> I, I try to I try to make sure that, like, you know, I approach this. So that at least the, the thing that I do it has additional value or is distinct in some way. And it's because I've been doing it so long, I think that I've got um, a little bit of leg up. At some point, someone's going to come up with a with a better version, and I'm just going to have to you know tip my hat. But right now, I, I really like what I do. I like the idea of of doing that instead of just a full average. You're kind of like the modern day Jimmy Johnson, Arif. <laughs> I don't have as many rings, but you know, I'll, I'll take the I'll take the ad money that he gets. Sure, I'll endure <laughs> stuff. On the nerdy side of things, does your weight that you give a player does it mirror the the typical draft ski slope? Yeah, yeah. So actually, that's a great way to put it. The shape of the value curve is the same, yeah. Um, and, and it's a, um, I, I guess it's a logarithmic um, curve, right? I think it's like a reverse. It's like a negative uh, logarithm. But um, yeah, it, it's very similar to um, the Jimmy Johnson chart. So there you go, right? But it's also, you know, it also draws on... Um, some of the more recent charts, like the Rich Hill chart and the Harvard Sports Collective slash Pro Football Reference chart, um, and what it is, and, and and how I've kind of brought these together. First, is that it's a linear function, right? The Jimmy Johnson chart is not. You can't you can't create a perfect linear model because he just you know put some values in there that he thought worked. And honestly, given that, what a remarkable job he did. Like, that's crazy that he was able to do that. But, you know, now that you've got tools to kind of linearize all this stuff and have a, a value for each pick or each slot, 
you know, um, you can get a little bit more kind of precise and maybe, you know, for Mm -hmm. the purpose of an NFL team deriving a trade chart, you don't want that because there's a specific contract slot. And then there's the fifth year option for the first round. So there is a difference, but in terms of ranking players, that's not my concern. And so I model it off of a lot of these, um, different charts that are out there and I have built it so that it matches kind of the things that, that we're expecting in the draft. And so, you know, if, um, if, if, if the averages that it's producing or if the values it's producing don't align with the draft, I'm going to have to take a look back and see, um, you know, kind of what values I'm using and, and whether or not that's an issue. And, and I've looked back a couple of times and so far I haven't actually had to make many changes because my initial approach, um, was close enough that it's not something I have to, you know, worry about in terms of headaches. Makes sense. Uh, Arif, we're obviously Vikings fans. We both cover the team in some capacity. How does the consensus board so far line up with Quasi uh, Dofomensa's approach to the draft? Obviously, our data set is very small. The yeah. only things we've really been able to gather, he likes 10-yard splits, especially in the trenches. All, those guys were all over 90th percentile. He likes height in his defensive backs. All three were above the 90th percentile. And all the guys that he selected or kept as a UDFA were from power five conferences. There's really not a whole lot else to go on with just 10 picks and one UDFA. Is there anything concerning the consensus board that we can gather from last year and try to project forward to this year? Yeah. I mean, more often than not, the Vikings picked value against consensus. I'm just checking it right now. Um, There were some differences. I think Ed Ingram, if I remember correctly, was, was a uh, was like not a good pick by consensus. Yeah, he was like 109. The consensus board, uh, you know, it doesn't have opinions, right? It's aggregating the ranks of everybody, but the people who put in those ranks have opinions, and for the most part, those people, you know, weighed the off-field stuff for Ed Ingram pretty dramatically, and it sounded like the Vikings um, didn't seem to weigh very much at all. And I don't mean that as an insult to the Vikings. I'm based off of their presser. You know, they said that this actually is not a red flag for us. You know, he checks the box. Uh, and so that changes things. But even if you kind of get rid of the analysts that very vocally mentioned that this is something that, that, that dropped his rank, that he still actually was drafted above where a lot of people had a pure talent grade for him. So that is a pretty significant difference. Um, I think Brian Asamoah is another player that they drafted kind of above consensus. But, you know, they got wins with Lewisine, Andrew Booth, and Caleb Evans. Um, and I think after that, uh, it was just, and when you're in the fifth, sixth rounds, it kind of doesn't matter anymore. But I think after that, it was just Jalen Naylor, who they drafted ahead of consensus. And then the rest were kind of, um, it says Yotemiwo was like not on a lot of boards. And so I can see why that one was just not a, a great one for the consensus board to rank correctly. Um, but, you know, Vidarian Lowe, for example, was somebody that the consensus board considered outside the top 300. Uh, Nick Muse was kind of pretty close, you know, to his consensus value, which I think is good enough in the seventh round. So, um, but, you know, at the top of the draft, um, you know, they, they went with consensus or ahead of consensus, right? They, they grabbed some steals. Uh, in the middle of the draft, they went in the other direction. They, 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 I guess you could say, reached by the consensus board. And then at the end of the draft, n- nothing super notable um, except Jalen Naylor. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. 
And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Interesting. Okay. Um, I, I'm, I'm very intrigued to see what this year's data sets can give us just because yeah. we genuinely don't know much. Like uh, you had a great series when you were with the athletic detailing what the parameters were for each position with the Rick Spielman regime. And I'm excited to kind of see how that'll change with Quasi Dopalmensa because it was, it was so blatant with Spielman. Yeah, it was. He made the, that particular job kind of easy. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, like you said, there's there's only the one the one year, and I think when something as consistent and um, significant as the ten yard split appears, that is definitely signal. There's no way that happens randomly, right? So mm-hmm. that's something. But not grabbing like a group of five or an FCS guy, that's definitely noise. That you can do that by accident pretty easily. Um, just because, you know, for obvious reasons, they don't produce as much draftable talent, right? So um, that one's going to be kind of interesting to try and figure out. Certainly it didn't seem like that there were any conference biases or loyalties um, that kind of that kind of drove uh, their draft board, you know, taking a quick look at it again. Um, mm-hmm. They did not mind the Big Ten, I can tell you that. But uh, yeah, <laughs> guys, it was three or four. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, we got Minnesota, Illinois, Michigan State, so at least three, and unless I'm missing one, there's... Yeah, and then obviously the undrafted free agent stuff. But, you know, they like the ACC, they like the SEC, they like the Big 12, they like Pac-12. So, um, you know, th- we'll, we'll see kind of how that 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 plays out going forward. Um, but, yeah, like you said, th- so few picks to work off of. Um, you know, hopefully they have more than five this year when it's all said and done and they make a bunch of trades. Um, so just A, because I think it's a good idea, but B, because I think it would be great to have a little bit more data on all of this. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know that we're going to get a good handle on tendencies until like year four mm-hmm. when we have three years of data. And, you know, one problem might be, and this happened when I was doing the Spielman stuff, one year, the the Spielman regime, you know, they, and I found this out later, actually, um, they subcontracted out a data scientist to kind of rebuild their models. And I didn't know that, right? You know, why would they tell me that, right? Um, and so I put out my list of like, hey, here are the guys that look like they fit the Vikings model. And they drafted like one of those dudes. And I was like, that's crazy, you know, because I built a board of basically 80 guys based off of what the Spielman historically, Spielman historically does. And last year, like nine out of 10 of their picks were from that from that group. If I narrow a board from 350 to 80 and nine out of 10 of that group, I know I'm doing something right. And now it's only one of those guys. What's going on? And it turns out they just rebuilt their approach without telling me, which obviously is the biggest crime. Um, but, uh, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, and, and so, you know, at some point, you know, we could establish a tendency and then they could say, Hey, we looked at the data again and, uh, mm-hmm. and this is kind of not how we want to draw, um, you know, our, our talent pool. And so they, they could change the mind and, and, and as soon as we build a tendency it can be broken. So we always have to be kind of, you know, aware of that too. Well, when yeah, you had some... that model, when you knew the tendencies were the results better than when, after they switched them. So the draft where they switched was whatever year Laquan Treadwell was, 2016? Which was obviously horrible, and 2015 was, was the best. Yeah, 2015 was great, and and uh, my, my model was like, hey, the one guy, by the way, that didn't fit was Stefan Diggs. And it's like, okay, well, if the consensus board likes him, 
so that he, like, they considered him like a third round pick and he was in the fifth round, right? At some point, you just you go off model and you just say, hey, all of our scouts love him. Everybody else loves him. Let's just do it. And that's fine, right? So that was like the one guy out of the 10, right? Um, but yeah, uh, 2016 was not a great draft. Uh, they haven't had like a spectacular draft since 2015, right? Um, they've had they've had some good draft picks and they've had some strong classes, but they haven't had like a great draft. Um, but yeah, it, to me, you know, probably see if you can get your money back from that data scientist. Yeah, exactly. I want I want to shift gears here, Reef, and I want to talk about this class um, and more specifically, kind of the Vikings. Um, I know you've you've been kind of the bang the drum for to get a cornerback early, and I understand why. Um, I'm I'm more of hey, let's get a guy in day three because you probably shouldn't be taking one to play right away. And this class, I think you you can get a starter in like year two, year three, in, in back end around three, like Darius Rush, Kai Blue Kelly. I think you can get starters out of some of those guys. Do you still think kind of with how everything's shaking up free agency, Joe Juan Williams coming in, are you still pounding the the drum for a cornerback right away? Yeah. And I, you know, I want to be clear, you know, this is just kind of like a, an order of preference thing. Like if they got a receiver, that's fine. You know, if, mm-hmm. if they, if, if, if they never gotten, you know, Joe Juan Williams, if they had never gotten kind of the bottom of that cornerback depth chart that they're rounding out right now, um, and, and they drafted a receiver in the first round, that's fine. Right. Um, I just think that cornerback is definitely the best option. And I understand like, you don't necessarily want to rely on your rookies to start in the Vikings clearly last year drafted without any intention of starting any of those guys. And it just so happened that Ed Ingram won the, won the camp job against Jesse Davis. Right. Um, but I, I think that you're at a point where, um, because the talent proposition at some of these positions is so precarious any chance that you have to add a high-end talent at those positions, especially an important position like cornerback, right? Like a lot of people are talking about how they've got a problem at linebacker. And yeah, they do, right? They get no one trusts mm-hmm. Jordan Hicks. No one knows what Brian Asamoah can or can't do yet. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty there. Um, but that's a less important position than cornerback. Cornerback is one where it's just like, hey, you've got you know Byron Murphy, who is solid. I don't want to say he's like a great corner. He's solid, right? And then you've got two guys that, you know, missed significant time last year who you kind of think are talented. And that's it, right? That's it. That's all you have. Joan Williams ran a four, six. Uh, he was fine in New England as a fourth, fifth guy, but he's not a guy that you're like, Hey man, we can, we can draft a guy in the fourth round and have him sit and have Joan Williams win a camp job against Caleb Evans. Like that's, I am not comfortable with that. And I like a Caleb Evans. I like him a lot. I think that there's even an opportunity, there's a possibility he could be better than Andrew Booth, right? But I just think, like, the, it, you've got a lot of different probabilities to work with. Like, there's an 80% probability maybe that Byron Murphy is pretty good. Maybe it's higher, right? 85 90% probability that Byron Murphy is good. Um, and then you, you, I think you're at, like, 60% for Andrew Booth and, like, 50 or 40% for a Caleb Evans. And now you've got a cornerback group where you have... Uh, I don't know what the multiplied probabilities are. It, it's not great, right? But you've mm-hmm. got like a, a maybe a, a quarter percent chance that you don't have a weak link in the cornerback group. Why not add to that by getting a, a guy that has a 60% probability of being good by getting a cornerback in the first round? And now you know that whoever wins the competition has a really high probability of being good. And now you've got at least two corners that you like, right? And so I, that to me is kind of where I'm at. It's just that the cornerback stuff is so important and it is so unknown that it's just really difficult to have a bet where at this really important position, 
you can't succeed. It's like the opposite of the edge rusher, right? You've got like three guys that, well, I guess really I should say two guys and then Marcus Davenport, but you know, given the contract, three guys, right? They seem pretty confident, right? Um, that, you know, have the ability to contribute, right? And so you can, you can, you can kind of chill out on that for a little bit. Um, but, you know, hey, maybe you don't have a pass rusher, defensive tackle, maybe you don't have a linebacker, maybe you're not really confident that Lewis Seen or Cameron Bynum can really, you know, pair well with Harrison Smith going forward. I don't know. But cornerback, I just, there's, it's so uncertain. No, I agree. I agree completely. I think it is uncertain. I just, I wonder if Quasi Dolphomenso is going to look at this class and kind of with his stock market value or background, just see where the value is at certain positions and then try to, um, maneuver the board and maybe take that cornerback later because there is such a surplus. Yeah, there's, of there's a ton of, yeah, yeah, there's a ton of talent at corner. And we were just talking about the state in the Minnesota football party, right? Like if the Vikings, for example, you know, traded away their first round pick, let's say it's like for the Trey Lance trade that you know, Bill Arlong proposed, right? So you've got a late second round pick, you've got a couple of third round picks. Um, and I was like, so, you know, Luke, what do you do at corner? And he's like, well, I like Julius Brent. And if the Vikings, you know, if they draft um, a receiver or whatever in the first round and they don't get a corner and they come away with like a Julius Brents at the bottom of the second, top of the third or wherever they get the, the ability to draft, I'd be overjoyed. I think Julius Brents a great player, right? Yes. So um, I, I think that, yeah, you, you don't have to, which is one of the reasons actually, because cornerback is, is the, besides tight end, it's the strongest position group in this year's draft, right? And that that's both top end talent and depth throughout. There are guys in the fifth round that I think in other drafts would go in the third round, right? Like I, it, it is a, a highly, highly talented class. And it's not just a bunch of nickel guys like it is uh, at slot for, for um, receiver, right? You're getting a bunch of nickel guys in this class. We're also getting a bunch of a pretty nice outside guys. So um, certainly I, I think that that's, that's one of the reasons I'm like a little bit more comfortable. If they get like Kalaja Kansi in the first and then in the third round, you know, they get a cornerback that, you know, who's the guy from Syracuse? Like um, Garrett Williams. Something? Yeah. Um, you know, that makes sense. I think that makes sense. Um, but like, uh, I, I think that your best odds, uh, especially if it's a guy, I mean, I, I, I just love Deontay Banks, especially if it's a guy that, that you think can rank up there, like in the middle of the first round and he falls to 23. It's like, yeah, you know, you could, you could wait on a cornerback, but also you could just get two cornerbacks in this class. Like if a guy falls in, in like the fifth round and you're like, this guy's a third rounder. Just grab them. Who cares? Yeah. No, I agree completely. It's about just taking advantage of the good football players. But I think the cornerback discussion is most interesting. But outside of that, the Vikings need a quarterback of the future, Arif. And you kind of made the case, I think it was on Monday's uh, edition of the football party, talking about potentially trading up for Anthony Richardson and giving that King's ransom. My question for you is, what price is too high to go up for it? and if they include Daniil Hunter in that package as a hypothetical, how much does that alter the draft pick compensation given up? Oh, wow. Wow. So, um, so you're, you, there's a, there's a real problem here, which is that if the Vikings wanted to trade up into the top 10, the current number of draft picks they have available to them is not enough. If you trade Dalvin mm-hmm. cook for a third, that's not enough. Now, Daniil Hunter is such an interesting – I didn't even think about that. Such an interesting part of that conversation. There's only one year left on his contract, right? So yeah, you're probably not getting a first, even though that's kind of what he deserves. Um, but you, it, it, I would be shocked if you got less than a second. So let's be conservative here and say you get, you've got a second, 
you've got another third, and then you've got the rest of the draft class, and you trade that up. What are you getting to probably pick 13, pick 12, something like that? I don't think you're getting inside the top 10. Um, so the, 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 without the quarterback tax, the Richfield trade chart allows you to get to eight with eight? a first this year, 24 and 25. Okay. Okay. So that would, so three firsts, right? So, yep. um, nothing else, just three firsts. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'd do that for Anthony Richardson. I, that's, um, that, that is just outside my value proposition, but if it's the whole draft class, plus Daniel Hunter, plus Dalvin cook. Yeah, I'd do that. I think I would, you- which means I think that that's less than three firsts, by the way. I do agree yeah. that that package I just described is less than three firsts. What would you pay to get CJ Stroud? Do you value him higher for what the both in talent wise and what the Vikings need? Because it feels like with all the talk about Houston, there's a real chance Stroud could potentially get to even five. Yeah, that one's that one's pretty interesting. Um, Stroud has just seen all kinds of of pretty bad treatment online over the past couple of days, right? You know, there's like the leaking of, of his S2 score or whatever. There's um, that thing from Brady Quinn about him ghosting the Manning passing Academy. And I personally, I don't, I'm not like buying into it that much, but um, it, it suggests that someone is out there attempting to justify why their own team is going to pass on him. Right. It suggests that like maybe a Houston is like we need to set up our fans to understand that the pick that we make is good, right? And so we're just going to throw a bunch of this stuff out there to people so that they report it and, you know, people are comfortable with what we do and, you know, we get like Will Levis or Will Anderson or whatever, right? Um, that's what it, what, what, it, what it says to me. I don't even know if that's part of their actual evaluation. Me personally, what I know about, about CJ Stroud, which is not, the world's most stuff. I don't, I'm not like a private investigator, but I did write a profile and I did look into scouting reports and did watch eight or so games. And, and I like, it. I, I like him. I think that he is um, a really high level quarterback. And I think that if he went first overall, which we know that he's pro- almost certainly not based off of the Bryce young news that we have, but if he went first overall in this draft, I think it'd be justifiable. So it, do I think the Vikings should, if they have the possibility to move up and grab CJ Stroud, you're basically asking me, do I think the Vikings should, from pick 23, ha- if they find an opportunity, grab the best overall quarterback in the draft? Yes, I do think that. Would you give up three firsts to do it? I, it's for rookies that's so tough. <laughs> it's I, so I tough. know. It, but that's, I, that's I, I, here's the thing. I would do that for Lamar Jackson, right? Which is why it's crazy that this is happening with Lamar. Um I, uh, you know, I, I would say no only because, and I very rarely care about this. It, it usually never comes up because people are so wrong about this sort of thing. But next year's draft class at quarterback is not bad. And I hate it. I hate it when people say that. But in the context of giving up three first round picks, it is a little bit different. Um, but, you know, you've got a Caleb Williams, you've got a Drake May. One of those is probably not going to be where we rank them now, right? But there's probably also somebody who's going who's gonna to rocket up those boards too, kind of like Anthony Richardson did. So um, I, I think there's a decent chance, you know, maybe, maybe it's Spencer Rattler, who knows? I think that there's a decent chance, it's probably not, that um, 
that that you've got a good enough draft class at quarterback next year that trading away all your everything for CJ Stroud um, is is probably not wise. But again, the package that you suggested plus a little bit more, uh, the package with like Daniel Hunter and the rest of your class um, and Cook or whatever. Um, yeah, sure, certainly. Even if you added uh, on top of that, I would. Last question for you, Reef, because I want to be respectful of your time on this Thursday night. Day three or even late day two quarterbacks, It there's not exactly a great hit rate. We obviously saw that with Kellen Mond two years ago, but that's a whole different story. Mm-hmm. Is there anybody that you like as a potential developmental option that hopefully at the very worst just turns into a backup quarterback on the cheap for four years? Oh, yeah. So uh, first of all, I just get this out of the way. I'm not a huge. I know the chat's going off about Hendon Hooker. I'm not a huge Hendon Hooker guy. Um, Good. <laughs> um and and uh i i don't like tanner mckee you know i know that that mike redder over at pff although i guess he he just announced that he will no longer be a pff yeah. starting the day after tomorrow so we'll see kind of where he goes but uh, he's a smart guy he likes tanner mckee a lot I, I tend to disagree um i know a lot of people like dorian thompson robinson i think that he is electric and fun to watch i don't think that he is a, a starting quarterback kind of guy but if there's one guy Here's a guy I have not watched, but the people that I've talked to say a lot of really great things about him. They like him a lot. Uh, and so people I trust say, hey, watch out for Jake Hayner from Fresno State. Um, Love Jake Hayner. Love I haven't watched it, him, but yay. He, sure. he, he, he is Case Keenum without the bozo gene. They, I, that's just not Case Keenum. Like, what, <laughs> what are you saying? What does that mean? Like, He's Aaron Rodgers yeah. without the big arm. What does that tell me? <laughs> no, he, he's he plays just like Case Keenum without throwing those lollipop interceptions in the third corner of the Miracle Game. He, he yeah, but that's, every, that's what Case Keenum, that's how Case Keenum makes his good plays too. I know, but uh, like Hayner, can I, 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 I understand plays. what you're saying. Right, is yeah. that that you know he throws with a lot of anticipation, he takes a lot of chances, he doesn't have the world's strongest arm, um, and he kind of moves around in the pocket. I understand what you're communicating, but it's just mm-hmm. kind of a very funny way to describe a player. Yeah. It is a funny way, but that that's what makes this job fun. Yeah, I know for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Hayner's my guy. If it, he's my sixth quarterback. I almost had him over Hooker, but the film <laughs> just Hooker didn't work. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hooker's my yeah. five. But uh, yeah. I have five quarterbacks with third round grades, which I view as like maybe this dude can start, but he's probably just the backup. And then Tanner McKee's my 10th. I, I didn't like him much at all, but. It's really hard to find stuff you it's really hard to find stuff you like with Tanner McKee when you watch Stanford play offense. Yeah, that's fair. That's it's that is a that's a tough road to hoe, right? That's that's Mm -hmm. that's a you have to put yourself through a lot to watch a quarterback in a Stanford offense. I can only watch so much slow mesh without wanting to just yeet myself off a bridge with that. Arif, um, thank you very much for joining. It's it's been a pleasure chatting with you as always. Um, and I'm looking forward to see the consensus board next week and kind of the big takeaways from it. What else do you guys have going on at Pro Football Network so that people uh, know what's going on and where they can find you? Yeah, sure. So uh, my colleagues at Pro Football Network have like a daily NFL draft rumors roundup. So I just strongly recommend heading over there because we'll always have the news of the day. So you can just kind of figure that out without having to go on Twitter, which I highly recommend. Just don't do that. Don't go on Twitter. Um, but then also, uh, I've got, uh, profiles on, um, the top four quarterbacks, just like 
the most interesting angles to stories I could find on those guys, whether it's, you know, the way that we talk about adversity, because when CJ Stroud gets drafted, a lot of people are going to be like, man, he, you know, look at all of this adversity he went through. Look at all the struggle. Let's talk about all the bad things that have happened to him. Right. And I, I wanted to talk about what that looks like and how we talk about that. So, you know, that's a story about CJ Stroud. I talked about a really interesting angle with Anthony Richardson, which is that he was um, one of the three stars, along with Bryce Young, one of the three stars of a Netflix series that never aired. So I talked about that, right? Um, so yeah, just head over to Pro Football Network. Um, if you want to see my stories, profootballnetwork.com slash author slash Ahasan to see those profiles. Uh, and then uh, the next piece I'm writing is going to be on the S2 cognition test. Um, I know a lot of people have written about the S2 cognition test. Um, as far as I can tell, I'm the only one that has talked to multiple visual cognitive scientists about it. So um, I, I want to make sure that we have a good understanding of what that test does. And I want to talk in detail about kind of the things that, you know, it's promising to offer and whether or not it's even kind of a legitimate story to, to have. And when we leak these scores, you know, what are we doing? What are we saying? Yeah, I'm really excited to, and we talked about it pre-show. I'm excited to kind of hear your thoughts on the S2 cognition test. That almost uh, stumbled over my words. Yeah. Um, no, I, I greatly appreciate your time, Arif, and I, I'm really excited to see what the Vikings do. If you had to guess right now, who is the first player the Vikings pick in the NFL draft? I'm going to go with my heart. I'm going to go with somebody that I hope they draft, which is Deontay Banks. That's that's my that's un, un, unless it's like a quarterback, right? And any of the four, I don't care. Will Levis, give it to me. I don't care if it's one of those four. That's fine, but I don't think it is. So I'm going to go with Deontay Banks. I hope it's Quentin Johnson just so I can rub it in Luke's face when uh, he ends up being really, really good. Because I, I don't think I've disagreed with a human being more about any single player than Quentin Johnson and Luke Braun. I assume you mean Luke Braun, right? Oh, yeah. Bunny Yeah, Luke. no, he's, he's somebody that we're kind of morally obligated to disagree with, so I understand. Mm-hmm. Luke Inman, uh, he's cool. all right. Luke Braun. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that Luke Braun, he, he is the definition of podcaster. Um, no, oh, Quentin yeah. Johnson... For because I, I know I won't send you a board because I, I haven't watched any offensive linemen. Um, Quentin Johnson right now is my number three player. Overall? Yes. That, that's interesting because he's got some of the lowest route diversity among all of the all of the receivers in this draft. So you, there's there's got to be a lot mm-hmm. that you really like about him for, for him to kind of show up there. Overall. He's, yes. I, I, I love, love him. But um, I, great, I don't have anybody over the score of 90 out of 100 in this class. Like Jalen so Carter's my top guys. So you don't like Will Anderson relative to everybody else? I, I like him, but I think a game like a grade of 87 and a half, he's like number eight or nine on my board. I, I thought he was a little underwhelming considering how dominant he was in college. Like trait wise, I just think he's he's like a little bit average. lighter. He's a little bit lighter as an edge rusher. He's probably not gonna hold up against the run. Is it like those are the concerns or he's just he's not as explosive as I wanted him to be, I, I think that like this, he's a step below like the Bosa's, the Miles Garrett's. I was going to ask where you had Miles Garrett. Cause that, that was a prospect. I mean, he's playing really well too, yeah. but like that was a prospect. That, that is the guy you draft off of the space jam Monstars team and just put him at edge rusher. Like, he's <laughs> just a different kind of human. Um, what was no, it like, on? And, give him like a 98 and 97. I think, I think I gave him a 96. Um, he and Trevor Lawrence are like my two highest grades, like 96, All right. which All right. I, I view that as potential all-pro player. Right. So that's kind of how my scale works. But, I, yeah, Johnson, I, I think he's got the, the super quick feet, and he he knows 
nothing about nuance. He knows nothing about how to lean. Correct. He knows nothing about how to. I don't even think he knows how to explode off the blocks because he just he's upright like plank from Ed Nanetti. He doesn't know any of those things. And the air raid's not going to teach you that. So I think once he gets to the NFL, he uses his quick feet. He uses his ability to be explosive, go down the field, and win yards after the catch. He can do those things while learning the nuance, and I think he can be great. But that also shows you that I don't think very highly of this class if he's number three overall. Right, yeah, yeah. You started off with a list of negatives, and like, God, please sell me harder, right? <laughs> I, I think I, I saw potential with all those negatives for growth, and I, I believe with any kind of capable NFL coaching, he'll, he has the opportunity to really be right. Good. Right. With like, with like uh, JSN, for example, like some of his negatives, he's never going to fix, right. He's never going to run a four, four. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, uh, like I podcaster linebackers were catching him against Utah in the Rose bowl. Like, <laughs> you can't recover from that. Um, but at, at the end of the day, Arif, I appreciate your time. Um, as the tornado sirens just stopped going yeah, off. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah ho- ho- hopefully we end up okay. Uh, yeah. From Arif, producer Dave, I am Tyler. As we always say on the end of the show, Skull Vikings. Skull Vikings! Like, subscribe, and ring the bell to get notifications. It helps us grow this community that we all love our Minnesota Vikings. And on behalf of Tyler Fornis and myself, Dave Stefano, Thank you so dearly for watching The Real Forno Show. Skull, everyone!